Blog Talk Radio. We do this for the people, we empower people. We do this for the people, we embrace freedom. We do this for the people, we empower people. We do this for the people, we embrace the freedom. We do this for the people, we create it equal. Talking about the subject that'll help you be a leader. Good evening, everyone. Thank you. Sunday night, 8 o'clock, We the People time. Um, tonight I am joined by Mr. Warren Bellamy. Good evening. Hi, Warren. Good Ms. evening. Ramona Cheney. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. And Mikey said he might actually call in, so we'll see if Mikey calls in. Um, we have a special guest on air tonight. We have Miss Jessica Lewis and Mr. and Mr. An- Mr. and Mrs. Anderson calling in as well. Um, and we're going to talk about his story of redemption, the play they got coming up, and we'll see where the conversation goes from there. How you guys doing? Well, great. Thanks for having us. We're doing good. So, um, I, whoever wants to go first, tell me. Tell me, tell us more about this. I, I know what we've read, and I know about the interviews I've seen on, like, YouTube and the news and everything, but what do you guys got for us? Which one more? What? Jay, yes, you want uh, to go first? Brief synopsis of your story. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, Mr. Anderson um, is an ex-Kingpin here in the Macon, Middle Georgia area who was sentenced to multiple life sentences um, by the state of Georgia. And through the grace of God, he was able to be redeemed and get a second chance at life by uh, President Obama. He was pardoned um, about two and a half years ago. And since then, he has been um, being a, a model citizen. He has been helping the community and giving back in ways that I'm sure the justice system has expected him not to give back. And so we are now coming up with the stage play called The Rise, the Fall, and the Redemption of Jerry Anderson in the hopes to save lives. Um, the play is modeled after his life, some of the challenges that he's had, as well as all the ones that he's overcome, all the obstacles, um, him feeling hopeless about not ever seeing the light of day again, and more importantly, being given the opportunity to come back and be able to um, redeem himself and show the community here that he's a changed man and that he cares about his community. And so I'll let Jerry take over and and let him tell y'all more about him. Hi, I'm Jerry. I'm well, I ain't over three life sentences in prison. And... 325 years since the running behind. But by the grace of God, through Barack Obama, but it was a year and eight months ago, I got out of prison that I was granted clemency. And on that, I said, once I give, God gave me a second chance, 
I'm going to come out of here. I'm going to go and talk to all the young youth, the gang members, everybody that's out there that's going the wrong way and me how to talk to. That was my goal, to get out of prison and talk to all the kids that are doing wrong. I've been talking to a lot of kids later. A lot of kids, yes, they, they, they stay wrong, but when you talk to them, you can find that they're real good kids. they got good hearts. And most of the kids I was talking to were at school. They're doing good in school. They're playing ball. They're doing everything fine. So as long as I can save one kid, I'm all right. My goal in life, man, I did 28 years free. Treating on that hard steel and so forth. And that's a penitentiary area I'll be. My goal now is to make sure I look out for little kids and feel them from coming down the same path I, I went down. Because I made a lot of mistakes in my time. I made a lot of bad decisions in my time. But man, I know better now. So my thing is to keep other guys, other girls and boys from going away. Going the way I went and trying to steal them right. Yes, sir. Um, how did the sentence get commuted? Is that like a petition that is done, or how did that actually happen to where Barack Obama was able to commute the sentence, or it was noti- um, put across to him, I guess you'd say? In 2015, they come up with a – put some kind of thing called uh, clemency. They were asking everybody to want clemency and file application. I was in prison. Everybody would go online in prison, and then you file your application to ask for clemency, tell them what you what you in for, what your sentence is, what kind of stuff. And it, it'll go. You just point to your attorney, the attorney, will, uh, and it was up to the people, up to all the rock people up there in D.C. to make the decision. So with me, I put mine in. I know I, I, I'm for sure I wasn't gonna get it. I just knew I wasn't going to get that, but I wasn't going to put it in. The people just kept telling me to go on try. So I just went on, I went on stage and just stepped out and tried, tried it, and I forgot about it. And as time went on, my case manager came and told me that I was granted clinic. And my hometown, Jersey, stuff down here in Megan, nobody didn't want to release it. They were telling President Obama not release it. I talked to him, he told me. He said, I'm going you got a lot of people that don't want you to get out of prison. He said, I'm going to give you a seven chance. He said, don't let me die. Shake the haters off, go back home, and do the right thing. That was in my heart and soul. Go come back to make it and look out for the team. That's going the wrong way. Now, Mr. Anderson, did you did you uh, meet with President Obama directly, or this these conversations were, were over the phone, or did you actually meet with him face-to-face? Phone call. Phone call. Phone call. Okay. Yeah. And was this your first, was this your first, um, I guess, your first shot at clemency, or were you given any impressions previously that you would, you know, get a lighter sentence or have a, have your sentence reduced, or, or was this the first one and only shot? You know, I'm glad it worked out for you. Very, very happy for you. But was this your, your first shot at it? Yeah, I had put in at least. 350 motions over the years, over my 20 years. You know, now instead of getting mad, 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 mad. So it was like my first one with President Obama. I'm thinking that was it for me. But when President Obama gave credit to Clemson, that freed me up. 
So without the clinic, I don't know. I might, I'll probably still be up in Atlanta right now, sleeping on the man bed. Because I've tried yeah. everything I could try. Yeah. Wow. Now, one one of the things I know that you had mentioned is you, you, you do uh, a lot of outreach work. You're talking with the kids out there and trying to teach them a better way. How, how is what you're doing being received by them? Because we, we have a whole different group of kids coming up. I think you and I are close to close to uh, age. Um, and, you know, there's a, a whole different breed out there of, of youngsters coming up that just don't want to hear it. Um, how are you being received by them? Most of the kids, most of the kids hear me. And they listen to what you do. You got some of them and like they walk in zombies. Like they can't, they don't understand what you say. You probably know the kid that, that you can say and the kid you can't say. But I always give it to them hard. And I always let them know. If you choose to go the wrong way when you go down that path, you got to be a man. You got to deal with whatever happened in prison. You got to be able to deal with it. So you can walk around and don't listen and do the wrong thing. You got to take what's coming. But most kids that I talk to, they, they got that zombie thing about them too. But most kids, they want you to talk to them. When, you talk to, when I talk to kids, I can automatically feel that they don't want to do wrong. They want to do the right thing. It's like they can't talk to their parents. And a, you have to be it's a certain person that can get to them. If you can talk to them, they have to open themselves up to you and just tell you everything what's really bothering them. Once I can find out what's really bothering the child, then I know I was still in the right way. That's great. That's great. And what was it that, that I, got you in that life, um, you know, so many years ago? What was it that 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 got you uh, to the point of where you were up until, of course, you know, your incarceration? But what was it that got you uh, involved in that life? What got me in that life was when I was, when I was coming up, I, I couldn't get a job nowhere. I tried everything trying to get a job. My mother needed help real bad. She was always telling me, dear, I need help. I mean, yeah, it was eight of us. Half of them going all the way with nobody helping. And I couldn't get a job. So I couldn't be bad. I needed help my mom. She always crying to me too much. Every time I see she crying, telling me, God going to come get me one day, dear. I need help. And it was broken so bad. And I had kids. By, by this girl, two kids. By the, and she needed help. And everybody was telling me they needed help. And I couldn't, I couldn't find a job. Everybody trying to find a job. So when I met this girl, she was doing she was already telling me. She, I see her making all this money. And I asked her what how she what was what it was about. And she told me what it was. She told my mother she had fifties and twenty five and she was making money in, in, in minutes. She was making thousand, three, four thousand dollars in two, three minutes. And all I know is I just wanted to be a part of it because that that helped me with my mama. But I didn't know they was illegal at the time. So she told, she put it in my hand. I was selling it, and I'm making all this money. Now I had to help my mom out. I'm doing good. I help my mom out, but the, the people that were selling to her told put it to the side and told you wrong. You got to tell them what the consequences is for doing what he's doing. Because I didn't know I thought it was legal. So she put it into the side, and she started telling me all about it. It was illegal. I could go to jail, and I could be in there for a long time. But now I'm helping my mom out. I'm feeling good. I knew I can go to jail, but. I took a chance. I said, "Now nah, I got it. Whatever it takes to help my mama, I go to jail to go and go help my mama help feed my kids. So I stepped out there and started doing it because my mama needed help and my kids needed help, and I couldn't get a job. So 
it, it made me go that way. And Mr. Anderson actually applied for every city job that you could think of, and he has even helped during that process other people get through the door. In fact, some of his training classes, those people were chosen over him. So he worked really hard to be able to be a good citizen, whatever that means, um, in this day and age, and he was rejected in, in every way, shape, or form. He um, fire department, police department, post office, uh, yeah, all the good, everything. everything. And so mm-hmm. you're, when your back is against the wall, what do you do? Um, and you'll hear more of him and how he, he absolutely explains there's nothing to be glorified. This is nothing to give yourself a pat on the back about it. He yeah. made a bad, I'm, not, bad I'm, never glorified. I'm not glorifying anything. I want to glorify nothing. I never do. Everything I did was wrong. I mean, back then I made bad decisions. But at the time, I thought it was right decisions. But it was really bad decisions. I thought it just steal the court and just wait it. Because God always going to take you and bring you where he wants you with. I was in college. At San Francisco, 49, he was looking at me. But I left college because, because, like I said, I'm hearing all this from my people. They needed me. So I walked away from a good decision, went back and made a bad decision, went the wrong way, which I should have stayed where I was. But I'm 19, 20 years old. I don't know no better. All I knew was my people were crying. They needed me. So I, I made a bad decision back then. I love um, your story. And and it's not, you know, just because it's just a story of redemption, but that is so much like everybody's story. You know, um, I and I, I believe that this is one of your, the first times that you've all listened to our particular show, but um, I was a single mom raising five kids before I, I had remarried. I was in a domestic violence situation. And having mm-hmm. five kids underneath, oh Lord, I think they were all underneath, they were stair steps. Some babies were just back to back. <laughs> and, you know, I know that pain of a mother who is, you know, we got bills to pay. I need to feed my kids, you know. And it was I made you know, more than enough for uh, made too much for government assistance, but not enough to feed my kids and to keep a roof over my head. So it is your story is so real, and I have you know my own son, and I know just hearing what you say, how my son would have reacted by any means necessary, Mama. I don't want to see my mom cry, and you know I've had to hide tears from my own from my own children so they didn't see what was going on in the background. You know, eventually, and we grew up in a generation where, you know, your business is your business and you don't go out telling everybody your business what's going on. You could be getting ready to get evicted. You could be, you know, your lights be off and you um, rigging um, electricity or you burning candles from the dollar store if you had a dollar to get the dollar, to get to the dollar store. But your story reaches so many people. I remember one time when, um, I needed a quarter. I needed one quarter. I was pregnant with my third kid, and I think I was 19 at the the time. And, you know, I was still married to my abuser. But I needed, I was craving a 25-cent Sam's Choice 
soda. And it broke my heart because I needed one quarter to be able to get that drink that I wanted so bad. And I didn't have a quarter to my name. And, you know, coming from a mother's standpoint, it, it hurt so bad because that was something selfish for me, not something that I was trying to do for my kids because I, I you know, went over and beyond the best way that I could for my children. But that was something selfish for me. I didn't have a quarter to get a drink, you know, or, or um, I remember, what, 15 cents to get a pack of Kool-Aid to mix it with a cup of sugar you could have borrowed from a neighbor. And, and these right. are real, these are real stories. This ain't no, oh, okay, I couldn't get the latest Jordans or Gucci shoes or whatever the red bottom shoes or whichever. This, this is real. And, you know, I, when, when you're talking about you heard your mama and you saw a way to help your mama out, that, that touched my heart and that touched me in my soul because I know as a mother what it's like when you know, it might have been a temporary situation, but sometimes some temporary situations look so deep and so hard and unending, and you're trying to do your best, but your best sometimes ain't good enough. And then there's so many qualifications, you know, government red tapes here, there, everywhere. I was listening to what you were saying about, you know, all the different things you had to go, um, petitions that you had to file just to be able to get where you were at now. And, you know, I hear you say one wrong decision, and I'm not glorifying like what you're saying, but I'm saying I understand. I understand when you have to do some things that are necessary to take care of the people that you love, although it is not the right thing to do. Right. I just wanted to jump in and say that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I saw that. I I like that. It also led me to a lot of other people that. My whole neighbor, everything to make, everybody would come to me because I had so much money. I made so much money. But so many people in Jamaica would just like me. They didn't have nothing. They come from their kids to school. They come buy them tennis shoes. They, I bought tennis shoes. I bought cars. I bought furniture. I bought groceries for us. I just, because I had the money. And I, I know what my mama was going through. So I know what other families were going through. So anybody came to me and needed anything. I didn't hesitate on getting. That's why so many people love me. They, they respect me like they, as I feel doing. I'm not glorified. I was wrong with what I was doing, but I took in a lot of people now. I feel good about that. And you know, and what you're saying, you know, we hear so many different things about um, the different basketball players that started um, in one particular place or whichever. And they never gave back to their community. And I'm still hearing what you're saying, that you have a giver's heart and that you still gave back to the community, even in the situation that you were in. Even, you know, and I'm just paraphrasing what you're saying, like, you know, with the wrong choice that you made, you still had a giver's heart to give back to the community so other people won't go through what you're going through, you know, or what you went through or what you saw your mother going through. And you still gave that back, whereas we have, so many people, and this, you know, this is one of the subjects that we have, or that we talk about here on the radio show, that the people who say, oh, when I make it to the spot, I'm going to give back to the community, and they never even show up. Not even if it's, you know, not, it, it don't even have to be monetary, because sometimes it don't take, you know, money or shoes or whatever. Sometimes it's just, you know, 
you see a kid on the on, on the side of the road just sitting there, just speaking, saying, "What's up? You know, how are you? Um, how's your day? What's your grades look like? What What are you struggling in school? You know, or showing up at a school to read to um, the students, volunteering. We it, it's so crazy. We we as a people we sit there." And we go so hard for whatever concert, um, stand in line for whatever shoes, but we don't register to vote, and we won't go to a PT, PTA meeting to see about our kids, and um, or right. even the neighbor kids. And and that that has always broken my heart. And I appreciate your transparency on this show tonight. Um, I know that there's so much more that you want to say, so I'm gonna stop talking. Because uh, I also want to hear how the play got started. How did you meet everybody? Meet each other and things such as that. So, but I, I'll jump in from time to time just because it's it's so heartfelt. I because I, you're speaking from your heart, and I'm feeling it way over here. And I'm gonna do my best not to cry tonight on the show. Um, <laughs> so y'all say a prayer for me that that don't happen. But um, but I appreciate your story, and thank you for thank you for telling it. I know there's more to tell, but thank you for at least for what you said. If I may, Ramona, everybody is one check away from his decision. You know, rather, it don't have to be in the drug game. It may be you going out, doing something else, moonlighting with air quotes without saying too much. You don't know what what's going through people's mind. When you're in a, a desperate situation, you're not going to wait until you lose everything, you're going to quickly make decisions. It's, you know, us human and our instincts is always about survival. And so these are decisions that I feel like those are sometimes our executive decisions. You have to make those decisions in order to allow for yourself to get to the next level. And mainly because when people um, are in dire situations, you're not always thinking clearly. You know, you're, you're looking to solve a problem, whatever that may be. And so by doing that, that allows for you to remedy your situation. And so um, both you and Jerry, while your stories aren't exactly alike, they definitely are a true um, display of what people experience on a regular basis. These are real-life things going on where when you have issues, you have to make sure you're able to um, make decisions that will allow for you and your family to be okay. Um, of course, whatever that may be and whatever decision you may make, and, and uh, society's eyes, your neighbor's eyes, your family eyes may not always be the best thing, but if it's helping people, it will allow for you to feel, be able to sleep at night. <laughs> You know, some people make decisions and they're like, man, I, I wish I didn't do it. And the conscience eat at them. But very genuinely, he was trying to help people, and he still does. Um, and so that, that given spirit is in him. Even you as a mother, you should be proud of yourself. You know, whatever, if you had to take two and three jobs and whatever it, your sacrifices you had to make to make your situation better, own it. Like he said, you know. Uh, accept it and make what decision makes sense to you so that your family can be comfortable. And what do they say? Desperate times call for desperate measures. So um, you can definitely understand, uh, definitely understand. And I just want to echo um, Ramona's uh, comments, Mr. Anderson, and just thank you. Uh, like she said, um, you know, I know you have a lot more to say. We want to hear about the play and 
want to get to know a little bit about a little more about you and and your wife and but just want to thank you um for just being open and and completely transparent with all of this cuz you know this is real this is raw <laughs> you know and uh we definitely appreciate appreciate your story
And so that's why I started this place. Once I got a play going, it's to make the fun so I can do stuff for the kids. That's why I got a play going. That's amazing. Um, I got a question. How hard was it to come back to making? I know a lot of people, uh, they usually go somewhere else, you know, because of recidivism. So how hard was it to come back to making to where all this happened and then, you know, allow that to change? Because people always want to try to tie you to who you were, and they don't realize what's happening in your life and who you're becoming. It really wasn't hard because most people already knew who I was. When I got back, everybody, all the people greeted me good. Even the police, all the everybody know. Once they seen that I was what I was doing, and I'm for real with it, I got I get a lot of respect from police. All the air gonna say nothing bad about nobody. Everybody know what I'm doing. Everybody see that I'm real. Everybody know I'm not gonna play games and start bad. I never said drugs again. Twenty eight years on the island, still that was a bad decision. I mean, I won't never do it again. And I never, never, ever, never, ever do nothing wrong. On that other side of me, I'm just going to always try to slide the right way and keep on my thing to help kids. That's my whole goal now, is to keep focused and do the right thing for kids. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So um, also, you're part of a uh, mentoring program here locally. Is that something that was already established and then, you know, you came in as part of the program, or is it something that you helped establish after your uh, release? Yeah, it was my friend Roger Jackson. He already had a stash. When I came home, he asked me to come in to help talk to the kids. So when I came in, I just started talking to young kids and started doing the right thing, trying to steal them from going the wrong way. Miss mm-hmm. Lewis, um, how did you get involved in this whole thing with the uh, – with the play with Mr. Anderson and just everything as a whole? Well, uh, his wife and I have been friends for a few years now, and um, my primary business is I'm a business consultant. That's what I do every day throughout the, the year. And so she came to me and she says, Jessica, we're doing the play, and Jerry and I would really appreciate if you could be a part of the management team assisting us in carrying forth the vision. And I said yes right away, mainly because Jerry's story is my story. My dad and my brother are both serving life sentences, um, and they both did not have the chance of parole, so they would have died in prison as well. Um, And through the grace of God, um, my brother actually was a juvenile lifer, um, he's 22 years in, and my dad was, he's 30 years in, um, a life without parole sentences, and both of them, their sentences were overturned. So when I had already known about Jerry, um, just from doing research and other things, and his name just so happened that it came up, and so um, because my, I have been diligently, so the other side to this story is what happens to the family when the family member goes to prison and so I'm that person. I've been serving two life sentences. I'm Jerry's family. And so when they asked me to be a part of it, I didn't hesitate because this is my way of assisting Jerry and, and helping him stay straight because 
my dad and my brother will soon be out and they'll have to go through the same exact process, you know. So his living testimony that he's experiencing right now will be something that he'll be able to share with other people who have had life sentences as well, um, who were blessed to be able to come home. His this redemption story is just so um, so relevant to me as well. Um, and I was grateful when he asked me. And as I said, I wasn't, I did not hesitate. I said, absolutely. Tell me what y'all need me to do. Um, and so the story line fits so well with so many people. Um, we know that in our community, there are plenty, we, I don't know a soul that doesn't have one family member that's incarcerated. And, you know, that's the unfortunate part of, you know, this system, but in the same breath, we learn from those experiences. And so um, by that being the case, that's kind of why I decided to join as well, because I saw Jerry in everybody's family. (laughs) You know, there's a Jerry in everybody's family. You have a family member that's gotten incarcerated, and they may have did however much time. It may not have been as much as Jerry, but we all have that family member. And so um, knowing that, I was happy to help. And with your willingness to help, uh, Ms. Lewis, what can just average, you know, listeners to this program or anyone who comes across Jerry's story, um, what can they do to help? Well, the main thing they can do to help is honestly, and this is not a plug for the play, they need to come to this play. And oh, by all means, play, let it let it, let it plug away. Well, here's the thing. The reason why they need to come to this place, other than it being so relatable, is you can bring someone in your family to this play, and it's going to show you what's going to happen to you if you don't help them, and it's going to show them what's going to happen if they don't change their lives. See, you can easily go down the wrong path, but the right path, believe it or not, is a lot harder than one would believe if they never had their back against the wall. And so, so coming right. to this play will show you both of those sides. It will show you what happens. And see, that's the thing. Jerry is focusing on children. There's grown men out there right now <laughs> that need to be at mm-hmm. this play. Um, because they're living at life, they're glorifying at life. They get a couple dollars, as Ramona said earlier. They go buy Gucci and Jordans and all these things, and they're all excited because that little bit of money is so worth it to them. Because maybe they are dressing better than their neighbor or whomever. But coming to the play will show them that as much as you think you're on top, this is where you can end up. And to the families that are unfortunately exacerbating the symptom of narcissism in our in our community because we accept money from our family members we're happy they're paying our bills and you know listen he gives me money I don't care that is the problem as well you're enabling behavior that's going to encourage your family members to make wrong decisions and the pressure is on no matter what at that age that wasn't really Jerry's responsibility to take care of that many people. You know, like if we really look at this, that was not his responsibility, but as a man, he took on that responsibility. You know, the problem that we have in our community is that family members make 
our young people sometimes grow up faster than they have to. Everybody has stages of life. There's so many developmental stages when it comes to individuals, from baby all the way up into adulthood. Jerry may have missed something throughout his life that unfortunately didn't allow for him to know (laughs) that this is wrong, you know. And so coming there, let me say this, it may have been a wrong decision, but it was the right choice. Because at the end of the day, sometimes you have to sacrifice your your sanity in order for you to get a remedy. And a lot of people don't see it that way. And, again, I'm not even glorifying what he has done because, again, I've experienced it twice in my family um, with the, my only blood brother and my only father. I'm my dad's only child. So him not being around, those are some things that, as a family unit, we experience. And so we want people to come and realize that, hey, don't encourage your son to go sell drugs. Maybe you need to go get a job yourself and let this boy be a boy, (laughs) you know, or let this young man Mm -hmm. be a young man, whatever that is to that person. But we are starting to be more and more oppressed and brainwashed in our community to believe fast money is the best money. No, sometimes you may have to be a hustler. You may need to have a couple jobs. Thank God they got Uber and Lyft nowadays. <laughs> so mm. you can make your own schedule at least, you know. And so there's alternative ways to yield the money that you need for your bills. But back then, none of this stuff existed. Technology didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. So what what are you going to do if you can't get a job? There are no alternatives for this day and age people like Jerry can help young people brainstorm, strategize, and be able to execute so that they can stay away from that life. At this day and time, people that are still selling drugs, you have to really ask, like, can you not use your brain, you know, for anything Mm -hmm. else? Some of the most creative people I ever met were in the prisons. I worked in prisons. I was a counselor. I was a detention counselor. I done did everything in a prison. So when I'm there, I know how brilliant people are who are behind bars, but they didn't have a good support system. And as a result of that, this is where they end up in prison. And so Jerry is their support system. This play will teach the families on how to be a better support system and teach young people on how to strategize and and problem solve before they end up in a situation where they're getting multiple life sentences. Thank you. And when is when is the play if it if it hasn't already? Um when is it uh when is it set to kick off? Jerry, you wanna answer that? This is your plug. Okay. It's it's next Friday, Saturday, October eighteenth, October nineteenth at the Dallas Theater here in Mickey, Georgia at six thirty. Okay, everybody got that? October eighteenth, October nineteenth at six thirty. And Megan George at the Devil's Theater. There you go. I absolutely Thank positively you. cannot wait. And um, I'm just amazed at everything that I'm hearing. And um, because, it, like I said, it, and I hate to keep repeating myself, <laughs> but it is, it is the real story of redemption. And um, it's hit my heart over and over and over and over again. Um, I recently had somebody that was incarcerated for a crime they may or may not have 
submitted. They're going through the process. And, you know, just today, um, uh, a few ladies and I, we actually, because uh, normally when I'm on the the show, I always talk about, you know, the church perspective as, as you know, Anthony or um, or Warren or some or Mike, they normally talk about, okay, you always bring the church perspective. But literally today, um, because we keep hearing about all these different murders and all these young people that are on the street, they don't have anything to do or anything else. But we, you know, we, we came together and we began to walk um, a certain portion of Mason and just began to pray. And it's not just our city. Um, it's, it's every city. And we have these young people, they're labeled the, um, for whatever decision, even if it's a bad decision, um, they're labeled as thugs, they're labeled as, you know, children from wrecked homes. They're labeled as all these different things without giving a chance of redemption or not knowing that there is any hope um, that they have, that there's somebody out there that cares about them, cares to hear what they have to say, Um you know, Friday nights, what are they going to do? What are we going to do on a Friday night? What are we going to do on a Saturday night? What is there to do besides going to a club or going to this? Where is the safe place? And the fact that you have, you know, um, you have created a safe haven and are creating a safe haven for our youth. Because I'm tired of hearing about our young sons being gunned down or murdered or um, mistaken identities or whatever the case may be. I'm so tired of hearing about senseless deaths that keep occurring over and over again. Our children need something to do. And, yes, I'm going to say it on the radio, the church ain't always it because a lot of times people in the church are broken as well. I, I lived in church, bred in church, the church, the church, the church. And everybody may not have, you know, the faith or the church background to, you know, be able to hold on a little bit longer to the change comes. We we quote scriptures, but but we are really going through. People are really, really going through with their backs up against the wall, and they don't feel that there is hope. They, a lot of people in the community feel that the church has lied to them or, you know, we, we went through so much of a prosperity stage that the church prospered, but the people didn't. The people, the, our, our communities did not prosper. And so now, just listening to your story, there, there's hope. I feel um, like I'm not by myself trying to hold up the light because I deal with, you know, with the women. I deal on the ladies' side where they're broken, they're abused. They, they've um, been incarcerated, not incarcerated, single pregnant mothers, and they I, I can only walk from a level of experience. This is what I went through, and yes, you can get out. Yes, there is hope for you, you know, not only through faith and not only through, um, you know, your faith portion, but there's also hope because there's people that have went through things, and they can show you that there is hope on the other side. And let me show you how not to make the mistakes that I did. Let me show you a different way that you can overcome. You know, whether it be, uh, uh, as Warren does, dealing with the finances, I, I know I've made some crazy financial mistakes um, because I really didn't have people just saying, okay, no, no, don't max out your credit card. Yes, you are going to have to pay that credit card off one day. But we, we have 
uh, mentors that are rising up in the communities, um, re- regardless of if it's our city or their city, they're saying, okay, let me show you how to invest. Let me show you what to do. You got a job? Okay. Um, let, now that you got a job, let me show you what to do with this job. Um, people don't know how to do resumes. They don't know how to interview. They don't know how to dress for an interview. Um, no, you cannot wear flip-flops to an interview. They probably will not hire you. Let's show you what your resume should look like if you're trying to get this job or whatever this job. Now that you got some money, okay, let's show you how to invest the money. Yes, pay your bills, take part of your paycheck, go here. Um, but also let me show you what to do with this portion. And don't forget to give back. Don't You know, just removing that crab in the bucket mentality that has just played our communities for such a long time. I am so grateful for this story, and I'm excited to be able to go to this play. I cannot wait to go to this play. Um, And I'll I'll talk over the whole show, so y'all forgive me. I'm going to stop talking. But I'm so excited about your message, all the messages that are going forth um, through through this radio broadcast tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ramona. And there's no greater way to save a life than to tell your story to somebody. You know, a lot of people, just you sharing what you shared about your family situation, you may just help a mother out. So this is why Jerry came up with this idea. He knew that if he told a story, he could save a life. If you don't share is not caring. Isn't that what they say? Sharing is caring. So you have to show people, like you said, there's another side to the life that you're living. There's another life to your struggle. There's another life to your trials and tribulations. If you just keep pushing forward and share it, your story, let other people know what you have going on. I think that's another issue that we have in the community. People are afraid to say things. I need help. You know, um, And while it's hard to take on that burden of, you know, sacrificing and helping the way that Jerry did, I think it's important to understand that it's okay to ask for help. Um, Oftentimes people are afraid to do that, and you then silently struggle. And that's all his mom did. That's all his, you know, he, he did it because someone expressed to him they needed help, and he was noble and did it. Um, a lot of people would have ignored the help. They would say, oh, well, Mom, that's on you. He did not choose to do that, and you did not choose to do that for your children. You saved your life by getting out of that domestic violence situation. And anybody that has has any major struggles with their family knows that if they don't get out of that situation, they will feel worse. And so you have to keep fighting. <laughs> you know, you can't say, well, well, I'm struggling I'm going to get to the point where I'm homeless and I lose everything. And, yes, that's many people's story, but at some point in time they ask for help to get themselves out of that situation. And if you don't tell your story, people don't know how they can help you. Absolutely. Um, this, I, I, when, I, when I started reading up on this um, after me and you got in contact with each other, I focused in on the mentoring thing because I remember it was 1992 and I was in my summer of the eighth grade and there was nothing to do. And I ended up getting hit with eight counts of armed robbery. 
And luckily, it ended up getting reduced down to grand larceny, and I just got a bunch of um, community service and everything after spending my, my, my summer in juvie. I got community service because I, I was playing football and everything like that. But it was a mentorship program that helped change everything. You know, my dad wasn't in the picture, but these fellas, you know, some who were, you know, members of the community, some who had been in prison and everything else, they came out and they basically talked to us, you know. And, and a lot of what's lacking is there's a lack of men talking to the boys to create more men. And you got boys giving advice to boys, and it's just a dumb circle. But I, I loved it because that literally changed my life at that point being in that mentorship program because, and I look and I've got a, a younger brother and an older brother, both who have went to prison, you know, and I'm like, I, it could have easily been three of us, you know, so, but that, that, that helped redirect me into a better place. So that's, I, I'm loving the mentorship and the fact that you give them back. Okay. Well, I like to say, I like to say this if you have anybody Clemson, you know it was over thirty-eight thousand people. Over thirty-eight thousand people applied for Clemson. One of one thousand seven hundred fifteen people got it. It's like human lottery. It's a lot of guys that will never come out of prison. They still up there now. Oh, I got a lot of friends that I left behind that have never come home. A lot of them. So that's why I say a lot of kids don't. If they don't be stirred from going the wrong way, go end up in prison. A lot of them ain't gonna come home. A lot of them gonna die in prison. A lot of things happen in the field that the public don't know about. A lot of bad stuff happens. So that's why I said, in me, try my best not to let a lot of kids go up there and face the stuff that I saw. I've seen a lot of stuff. I just seen on the phone tell you about a lot of killing, a lot of everything. But I want to just say, I just need to, I tell it to the kids. I, tell them, I don't sugarcoat nothing. I tell them, this how it is, and what's going to happen if they keep on going the wrong route. And when you get enough, you can't call for your mom and dad. You got to be a man. It's time to be a man now. So I always tell them, go get a job, do the right thing. Don't sit yourself in prison thinking that's the way it, that's the way it is because it ain't going to be nice. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, my question would be this, um, because, I, like I said, I recently had some, a family member be incarcerated, um, and it, it it broke my heart. It just it breaks my heart, you know. I just occasionally, and and I believe what Miss um, Lewis has said about when when your family members are serving the sentences, you you're serving it too. Um, That's right. Just that I can't talk to him. You know, like where I want to just pick up the phone and call my cousin. And to me, it's, and for me, it's my cousin. I can't pick up the phone and call him. I have to wait what, to see if he's allowed to call me, if he's not on lockdown, um, if, you know, something's not going on. Um, I have to go to whatever red tape there is if I want to go try and see him. And, and still to this day, I haven't been able to go see him. But what encouraging words? Should I say to my cousin who's in the situation that that he's uh, he's facing all these different counts? Of course, my faith is that you know all charges are dropped. So while he's there, because I'm not in there, I've never been in there. I don't know what what should I say. 
he's a telling if he's in prison already, he's going going to trial. If he's already in prison, he's telling me to go down to the law. He needs to start learning law. One thing man talking when I first went in, he had been in there for twenty years, he's getting ready to go home. He said, Every five years the law change. Every five years, all you gotta do is stay out of trouble, go to the law library, find out what they did to you wrong, because there's always something they do to you wrong that'll send you back home. But that was always my that be my message that you for you to tell him, go to the law library, meet with somebody who no law. Yeah, show him all the stuff that he's been into. There's always something uh, that sends you back home. You just got to go to the law library. A lot of, a lot of people and kids, men, nobody don't want to go to the law library because they don't want to. I just go there and play basketball, football, little way, thinking that's it. And 15 years go by, then they finally realize they need to go to the law library. And then they find out they could have been home 15 years ago if they had went over to the law library. That's why, that's why I say, tell him that early. Go learn law so he'll know whatever they did wrong to him. He can always file a motion, get time cut, or get his sentence reduced or get out of prison off that stuff. Because it's going to be something. They did something wrong. That's what got me out. Something always be doing wrong. I concur. Um, having been a counselor in a prison, I used to actually teach the inmates on how to write motions. Um, that probably is going to be his greatest asset. He needs to get into the law library, understand um, court procedures, um, understand how to write motions, and more importantly, he needs to never give up. Um, uh, I'm sure even with Jerry's situation, he's he's made mention that he was in there and he knew he was going home one day. Um, And I think a lot of times when folks get incarcerated, they have a, a feeling of hopelessness. Um, they don't think that they'll ever get out, and so they wild out. My brother did it um, probably for half of his sentence. He just was wild. Um, and then it came about where in Pennsylvania, um, the juvenile lifers, it was considered capital punishment or cruelty or something like that, where they allowed for if you had the life without parole as a juvenile lifer, they said it was cruel and unusual punishment. And so mostly every single juvenile life for Pennsylvania has the highest numbers. Um, they all have been um, resentenced. And so my brother never thought that would happen. And it just so happened that when he finally had that aha moment, and said, let me start living right and being right. He started mentoring. He went back to school. He can build a house from the ground up. You know, he, he educated himself, and he fully understood how to write motions because after a while we had to fire attorneys because they weren't doing their job. Um, he knew there were things that occurred during his process that, for instance, like Mr. Anderson said, my brother's photo it wasn't even a person that the, the witness had identified. Um, and so it's just things like that. If you're not willing to order your court document, review them, you know, dot every I, cross every T, unfortunately, he could be sitting there and could be innocent. And even if he's not innocent, technicalities always are in your favor. So he definitely needs to take a look at his entire, every, he, can, he can order every single thing. It's um, the right to know that the law um, where he can 
write and request all his documentation, his sentencing order. Most people that are in prison right now don't even have sentencing orders if he's at that stage. So they're sitting in prison as we speak, and there are no sentencing orders. So that's the only thing that holds a person in prison. And people don't even know that. You order, you, you request that. There's no sentence in order. How are y'all holding me? That's just like um, you being held in prison without being sentenced to anything or being having committed any crime or even having been convicted of anything. Sentence in order is the only thing. It's like it's like chattel paper, if that makes sense. It's literally um, a piece of paper that says that um, Jessica Lewis did X, Y, Z, and she's being held in the only way it can be released is when that sentence in order is extinguished. In, in Mr. Anderson's case, clemency. Had he known, he probably could have requested his sentence in order to see if it was even on file. Because oftentimes it's not. There's people sitting in prison right now, guilty or not, that don't have sentence in order. And if they ever just took the time out and requested it, they will see that there's not one in there. And you're not allowed to be held in prison without it. And that's in the entire United States. How did I know? I had to turn into a not jailhouse lawyer, but a, a regular lawyer because I needed to know my brother and my dad's rights. You know, as a family member, you can help him. Um, if he's innocent, they have innocence projects in every single state. There's people that work pro bono, and that's all they do. They focus on helping people identify things that went wrong in their case and helping them get out. All of this stuff is readily available, so you can help him by gaining access to those things, and he can help himself by learning the law to his to his advantage. Thank you. That's I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm typing, sending text messages as you all are speaking um, as all, as well. And if if I I did hear right, Mrs. Anderson is on the on with us as well. Am I correct? You're right. And um and Mrs. Anderson, uh, I would love to hear from you. Um, Hold up, to go. Because okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. Hi, Mrs. Anderson, and thank you so much for joining We the People tonight. Um, we've been doing so much talking, but I I would love to hear from you, um, your role in all this, and because um, I know it has to be an emotional toil just dealing with everything um, with your spouse. I'm not sure when when you all married, when you all didn't marry. Um, I'm actually married to Anthony myself, and I just heard for the first time he had eight larceny counts, <laughs> which I'm sure he'll come <laughs> tell me about that after we get, <laughs> after we get off the radio show tonight. But um, I, I, I would love to hear some of your story. Um, how did you all meet? Where did the, uh, tell, tell your story. I'd love to hear it. Well, actually, I'm a part of a local civil rights group here in Macon. Um, at that time, we were doing a petition and trying to go inside of the different prisons on mass incarceration. Um, Mr. Anderson, at that time, him and a couple of more people were on the table. So I decided that I would take his case. Um, in, in doing that, I ended up going to Governor 
bill's office to lobby for mass incarceration. Um, after that, we got the petition signed, and we was hearing back from Barack Obama that he was going to go ahead and grant Mr. Anderson clemency. At that time, he and I didn't know each other. Um, only when he got home is when he had a chance to meet. That is a beautiful story. And one, um, I think we've lived here in Macon for about, what, 10 years now? 12 years? And I've literally, I've never heard all these different things that have been, that go on in Macon. I've always like, what is there to do? What is there going on? I never hear of anything going on besides, you know, uh, first Fridays or whatever the case may be. And just to know that there's all these different programs and all these different opportunities, um, one, for me to serve and for, you know, help for people that might need it. And, you know, I know Warren is in Florida, but just knowing that there are opportunities for um, our loved ones, because we're we're seeing it, and, and I hate just to be just so candid and sound like I'm just beating a dead horse because if our if our if our loved ones ain't being locked up they're being murdered without a chance of trial yeah. and, yeah. and 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 that's just me I'm gonna keep it I'm keeping it just plain and out there it's it's if you're not being locked up for something senseless um or even if it is something that is warranted um but now it's just case trial and jury it's, it's done you know in the street and I'm not saying that all officers are bad. I love my my um, officers and and those that do protect and serve with with good character and their character is their moral judgment. Um, but just I'm tired. Like I said, I am so tired of seeing and hearing and oh my gosh, another rest in peace going across the timeline. Um, I think we just recently had headlines of um, juveniles that were like 16 and 15 that have been robbing, you know, the local dollar stores and robbing in the different yeah. neighborhoods. And um, it, it's it's just too much. And I see, I, I worry about my own son. I worry about my godchildren. I worry about, you know, the kids that, that, that grew up around us. And not, not because, you know, I'm not fearful, but I worry. And, you know, I pray. I do what all mothers do. I pray. Um, I try to do the right thing. We've, and, and my husband and I, um, we've opened up our home to so many. Lord knows, um, are picking them up when the mothers couldn't. Because um, that's all we knew how to do. Just pick them up, take them to football practice, feed them. Um, they're hungry. Okay, so you're hungry. I got food at the house. You need help with this? You know, help them out. Do what? Do our part because that's that's what we knew to do. Because we were um, newly married and had all these children, our own selves, and trying to figure out our life. We were growing up while raising kids, and so um, that that was the part that we knew to do. But just hearing that there's hope and. That's what I feel. I feel hope. I don't feel that mourning and 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 just like Lord, what's next? What what can be done? Um, okay, here's another one. Here's another one. Lord, another one going to jail. Another one murdered. But now that there's hope, 
I feel hope in hearing your message, Mr. Anderson and Mrs. Anderson, and and I and about the play. I I feel hope, and not that it just won't reach our city, but multiple cities, and it will reach the nation. That's what I feel. I feel hope tonight. Going to church. And I think Anthony's trying to say something. <laughs> He's on mute. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I feel that it's there's got to be a change in something because, like you said, you know, we got it, it is what it is. We got police officers playing judge, jury, and executioner on folks. There was a young lady in Texas in uh, Fort Worth that got shot last night. You know, she's in her own home. Hear somebody rumbling outside, they say stop. And next thing you know, the cop shoots her without even announcing himself as a police officer or anything else through her own window into her own home. And it's like, you know, and, and for that, he gets administrative paid leave until they figure it all out. But it's in, in the meantime, here's a young lady who was pre med, you know, she was by all accounts successful helping out, babysitting her nephew, playing video games with him, and she gets shot in her own house. It's, it's like it, like you said, if it's not jail, then it's execution on the street. Um, and But we got to do our part to make sure that we're not the ones doing it to ourselves also. You know, as, as much as we want to talk about police, you know, we, we've got we've to start holding each other accountable again you know, because that used to be, the, you, you talked to all the old heads back in the days, and that was a thing was you couldn't do it on the block if you wanted to because you had somebody on the block that would that would make sure it never happened. You know, so there's a level of accountability that's got to go with us for certain things also. I agree with that, and I think the, the greatest thing that can happen not only just from this play, but from the things that you all are doing in the community, is we need to collaborate more. Um, You spoke of the church earlier, Ramona. I think uh, there's only two cities in this world, and I've lived in both of them, Adelaide, Australia, and Macon, Georgia, that are known as the city of churches. We have more churches in this city than any other city in this nation. And the fact that we have this many churches and we have the, the murder rate per capita. The murder rate per capita here is um, greater than Philadelphia, and I'm from Philly. So that bothers mm-hmm. me that we have this many churches. Um, the, the counties have consolidated. They've done all these things to make it seem like it's to improve an area, and unfortunately it has done nothing more but brought this area down. Economically we're struggling. Um, Mr. Anderson will be doing more things in the community to help educate people about becoming their own boss. Um, furthermore, the mentorship is was needed, as um, you know was mentioned earlier. If more young boys are raised by men versus having to deal um, primarily with women, I know you know it's just certain things that men sharpen men, you know, and unfortunately. I don't take away from the single-parent household. I don't take away from women raising men, but there's something about a man raising another man that can never, ever be disputed, that can never, ever – it changes the trajectory of how men see things. So rather that that man is a good or 
a not-so-good role model really reflects on how that child receives the information and uses it. Um, that in and of itself is a huge disparity that I've seen, and it's across the country. It's not just here um, in Macon, Georgia, but if we collaborated more, we had more role models and definitely had more storylines told. Um, you, you said you work with women. Is nothing wrong with having panelists of females talking to men, you know, talking to young boys to give them the female perspective of how their actions um, uh, affect us as females. There's so many ways to heal our community. Um, and as many churches that we have in this city, I'm really surprised more is not being done. Um, it's more like self-preservation, and it's very discouraging. I've seen it. I've been a manager of churches, so I've seen that here in the city that if the people aren't getting up uh, showcased or they're not the ones that are in the forefront, then they don't want to do it. I don't understand why more churches don't collaborate with each other, especially if they're in the same uh, genre of religion. Like, it doesn't even make sense. If you're all Christians, why can't all the churches that are in that Baptist community or one particular area get together and do more things. But it's like, no, I, I want to be at the forefront. It's, it's very egotistical, and unfortunately, the community is suffering as a result. So between the politics and religion in this area, that is uh, the reason that I feel like the primary reason why the community is the way that it is. You're only as good as the head. And unfortunately, um, a lot of things that happen in this city happens because of poor decision-making, period. Um, while they, they may not want Jerry to get out, guess what? Jerry probably helped more people than they did. Um, and unfortunately, in their, in their lifespan and being in their offices, that is also a reflection of what they've done as well. If you go in certain areas, we don't have sidewalks in some areas. There's more liquor stores in this particular region than I've seen, and I used to be a territory manager down here, so I've been everywhere. Um, and so literally to see those type of things occur in this community when somebody like Jerry just wants them to at least have his back if he's going to do like some kind of community event, he's asking for funding from the city, he's asking for you know, other types of assistance, maybe transportation to get back and forth to land. He's asking for these things, and he can't get it. It's almost like he's being re-traumatized with asking for a job before he started selling drugs, and they turned his back on him the same way. So why does this perpetual the cycle of recidivism, which was mentioned earlier, occur? It's because people keep forgetting about people like Jerry. They're not helping people like Jerry. They're not supporting people like Jerry. And mainly it's because egos, um, selfishness, um, the list can go on. But I like that you all aren't like that. <laughs> you know, you guys are putting topics at the forefront that need to be heard. You guys are also addressing the needs of the community, not just of your family, but your extended family, which is your community. And you all even took the time out to allow Jerry to come on your show, to give him a platform to say, hey, listen, I am trying to do better. Help me out. You know, there's not enough of that occurring in our city. And until that happens, the city will suffer. Mm. I felt that deep down to the, to the bottom of, at least from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. 
that that because it's nothing but it's the whole truth, the godly truth, and nothing but the truth is is what it is. And and, and she's and it, she's it, so and you're so right, Miss Lewis, because especially in in today's you know day and age, um, back when you know Jerry was growing up, as he said, you know, trying to get jobs and applying for different city jobs and so forth, and you know being turned down and not having that that hope not having, you know, that feeling that, you know, it's going to get better, especially with his mother uh, being in the situation that she was in and, and, and crying out for help. What is he to do? But in today's day and age, it's it's even worse, especially when you have these for-profit prison systems where these young people are being basically just thrown in prison for the smallest of offenses just to get put into a system. Then once they get put into the system, they're back out on the street and then the next minor offense, that's strike two, and then before you know it, three strikes and they're out. So it, it's you mentioned another thing too that I was I was happy to hear you say um, about men being raised by men, and especially again in today's day and age, that's something that can be now viewed as somewhat controversial because you're going to have a lot of people, women, okay, that that aren't necessarily going to agree with that. But I've always been told that you know in a, in a in a in a in a situation where you have a woman raising a son, she can't raise him to be a man. Only only a man can raise a man, a young man to be a man. Now she may be able to raise him to be a gentleman, but you need that man figure to raise a man. And and the mentorship program that Jerry's involved with and all those different things. I know growing up we had I, I don't know if they still do to this day. I might have heard something similar about it recently where they had the Big Brothers program. I don't know if any of you, you know, remember that, but when I was growing up, you had that program. It was called Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, then, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, very helpful. You, if you remember that, um, but these are things that we need, especially today, because the cards and the deck deck is so stacked against us. When I say us, I'm talking about these these uh, these young these young black men in particular. You know that there's so many so many obstacles out there for them, and so many devices and things like that. There's so many ways for them to get caught up and thrown into the system, and then before you know it, that that sense of hopelessness becomes a reality, and uh, that's that's great. I'm, I just like like Ramona said, I'm just loving what I'm hearing right now um, because it's so positive and it's 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 so inspiring. And um, so we definitely uh, appreciate, you know, everything that um, everything that y'all, you, Jerry, and and Mrs. Anderson have done, and what you continue to do because um, it's so positive in so many ways, and and much appreciated. And I hope that this play is just the start. You know, I'd hope that this play is just the start, and you know, looking forward to it. I'm very excited, and um, it, now it's time for that that plug again. If if you all would like to plug the play, <laughs> tell us when, how do we get tickets, where at, all the above. Plug time. Yes, you can get your tickets. You can get your tickets from the Douglas Theater. The play is October 18th and 19th. Doors open at six. The show starts at 6:30. And I know we're probably getting way ahead of ourselves, but any, any plans whatsoever to um, expand this play beyond Macon or beyond the state of Georgia? 
Absolutely. We are already in offers um, to travel. So just look for us in different cities. And um, actually, they even want the play to go to Africa. So just look forward to JA Enterprise doing great things. Great. Wow, that's big. And it needs to go. It needs to go everywhere. And I'm I'm gonna be cheer I'm 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 an adopted cheerleader. <laughs> I'm gonna be cheering all along the way. And you know, and I'm and yeah, I'll say it. I'm gonna sit back and I'll be like, Look what the Lord has done. That's it's literally what I feel. I my mama's always said it and always says it. She says, Oh, taste and see. Um, that the Lord is good, or she'll sit back and just say, just "Look what right. the Lord has Absolutely. done." And, Absolutely. and and I always we don't I always tell people mm-hmm. I always tell people that I wasn't there for the rise, I wasn't there for the fall, but I thank God that I'm here for the redemption. That's the best part of the story is no matter what you've done, you can always come back and make things right. Amen. So true. Exactly. Here's the part that a lot of people don't understand about situations like Jerry's is he's a businessman. In order to be able to run an enterprise like that, you have to be a mm-hmm. businessman. So all these guys that are out here doing the same thing, you're, you're basically operating a small business, just you're operating the wrong small business. So right. you're the CEO. You're the CEO. You you can't be no dummy to do it, not not make that amount of money, not stay out there and be able to, you know, come up with a system that's effective so that you don't become incarcerated or anything like that or dead. So it, it's just about a, it, it's redirecting all of that into the right place and letting them know, yeah, you can make just as much money, if not more, without your life on the line, without your freedom on the line, you know. So it, it's I'm I'm happy about this, about what y'all are doing. That's it, it's huge, man. We thank you, and let me say this too: the Anderson Foundation is the nonprofit portion that will be focusing on mentorship. So while Jerry initially came out helping a friend, um, the goal is to um, focus on mentoring young people. Um, and again, I know I uh, was mentioned earlier by Ramona at Grills as well, because um, one thing I know that as a female who did not have her father in my entire life, my dad got locked up when I was eight. Um, and so by not having my father in my life, that impacted me and how I interact with men. And so unfortunately, that again is a byproduct of incarceration and him being incarcerated. And so the foundation is going to be designed to help. Um, young people in general, young boys definitely. Mrs. Anderson um, has a nonprofit that helps with um, hygiene, ed- you know, health education, hygiene mm-hmm. education for young girls. So the goal is to help both, you know, both genders be able to get ahead. And the mentorship is just one component of it. We have the education part, we have the entrepreneur part, um, all in which will help heal the whole person. Uh, we'll have partnerships with mental health organizations because it's it's a, a four system approach. You got physical, spiritual, mental, and and um, spiritual. 
um, and I may have said financial, I missed that. And so there's four components, and sometimes in life when you're missing one of those components, that one missing piece could be your detriment. And so our, our nonprofit that we all have created is designed to help um, address those things. So basic needs is one part of it. That's what his mom was experiencing. Her basic needs weren't being met. Um, and so we will be out in the community. We actually were, was out last week um, giving out waters um, while we, you know, it was kind of warm last weekend. We were helping with that. Jerry does do public speaking engagements. So if anyone is interested in the public speaking, um, they can contact his wife, Ernestine Wilson3 at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, JA Enterprise, and he also has a public figure page, Jerry Anderson. Um, reach out to us. Um, his goal is to help and heal. And so we are not opposed to any kind of partnerships, sponsorships, or um, any time, type of collaboration um, because we want to begin one person at a time helping our communities improve. And um, the economic landscape can be done through, of course, like you said, Mr. Anson's great skill sets of being a businessman, uh, we're looking at possibly doing an entrepreneur school uh, where we'll teach people how to start businesses because, of course, we know down here in this middle Georgia area, the average um, wage is about 7 to $10 an hour. You, you can't take care of a whole family with that. That's just not mm-hmm. enough. And so, you know, being as creative and smart and talented as so many people are, we're looking to do that entrepreneur school to teach you how to tap into your purpose and your gifts to start a business. That's great. That's great. (laughs) I'm loving it all. (laughs) And I know Anthony's wheels are turning over in his head. And and <laughs> I know him. He's like, oh, okay. So I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. But I I absolutely love it all. I love the positive energy that everybody has, and it's not just coming from a place of fluff. It's coming from a place I've been there. I know, and let me help you not to go through what I've been through. It is truly where we talk about um, the test into the testimonies and how to overcome. And it is so refreshing to hear um, everybody's testimony and everybody's portion of the story. And, you know, it's, and it's not just a play. You know, we, we've had plays come through middle Georgia, uh, come and go and whatever, big name plays, small, small name plays. This is not just a play. This is a tool to, to a lifestyle change. This is a life-changing event. And, and that's what I feel. I feel that this is a life-changing event. This is just a tool to reach so many other people and to change lives. And it's I'm an excited. It, it, it is. It is. It, it really is, and it's and like I said, so refreshing. It is. It's refreshing to know that I'm not alone, and you know I'm not seeing this by myself because you know you can look at a situation and be like I cannot be the only person that you know I want to do something, I want to make a change, but I don't know how to go about it. I'm just one person. 
And um, but just like with Mr. Anderson, he he reached. You know, it might have just started with one. And even if it's not like a thousand people yet, I'm not going to say a thousand to two thousand, three thousand people yet. You know, all at one time. But he's taking the time to to speak to one, but yet still has the 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 opportunity to speak to the masses. And he's not forgetting the one. And and I love that. I love that about each one of you on the show tonight that you're able to take the different parts of your life and say, yeah, I can speak to the masses, and yes, I can do these different things. However, I'm not so big that I can't reach out to the one. And then for those of us that are saying, okay, I want to make the change, I want to make a difference, you know, besides posting on Facebook that uh, um, Black Lives Matter or, or, you know, giving to the occasional, you know, to the church that's supposed to be doing something you know, for the community or, you know, the All Hallows' Eve or Hallelujah Night or whatever the case may be and giving candy, I actually want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. I want to stop, you know, the next issue or situation that might come across. I want to make a change. I don't want to have my name to say, oh, she wanted to do something. I actually want to do it. And it feels so refreshing just knowing that, okay, there is someone out there, there's an organization out there, there are people that are out there that have had the same feeling. You know, they take they took their mess into a message, and they're making the change, and they can show me how to not only make the change, but be the change. And that's why I'm like, it's so refreshing, and I appreciate you all so much. Thank you. We appreciate hearing that. We have every day we wake up, we have a new day to create a legacy. He had 28 years where he was not able to do that. And so his second chance when he woke up and he was free, that's his opportunity to create a different legacy. He does not have to, if you're listening on this call, you do not have to be defined by what society has put on you, with your neighbors, your community, with your mom, your dad, your fill in the blank has said about you, every day you wake up, there's a new day for you to start anew and change your life so that you can change other people's life. I always tell people, put your mask on first. Save yourself first, which is what Jerry has already done. He's 350 motions later. You know, God bless him. He fought for himself. And now that he's out and he has his mask on, he can now go out and help other people. Um, It's very important to understand that you're, you're only as good as your last hit. You know, and if you wake up every day and you're only focusing on yourself and you're not doing anything for other people, if you're a pastor listening, ask yourself, what have you not only done for your congregation, what have you done to help do in your community around you? If you're a community activist, if you're a politician, if you're anybody, what have you done for your community lately? Is your community a reflection of you? Is your family a reflection of you? Is your life a reflection of you? And if so, you're winning if it's doing all right. But if your your city is having challenges, your community is having challenges, your block, you can be the block captain, your block is having challenges, your neighborhood, then we have to do something different. And believe it or not, I feel like when we go out to a lot of places, people are scared of Jerry. But if y'all see Jerry out in the street, y'all know what he looks like. 
go up to him and talk to him. Ask him to help you. Ask him to come talk to your children. Ask him to help in the community because guess what? He doesn't want to go back to jail, and he wants to save your family from not going through what he went through. So when you see him on the street, don't be afraid of him. Go up to him and have a conversation with him. Talk to him. You see his wife, same thing. You see me, same thing. We're here for you all. It doesn't have to be a us versus them thing. And unfortunately, it's like that everywhere, you know, but it doesn't have to be. So change comes from you waking up and saying, you know what, today I'm going to do something different. And Jerry had the vision once he he, he succumbed to fighting with God. (laughs) Once he stopped fighting with God and his cell, and God said, this is what I want you to do is to help people. God has blessed them ever since. And the same thing can happen to anyone who is in listening air of this this call tonight. Well, thank you. Like um, I'm in a church. <laughs> right. Right. I, I feel She'd be going and I'm over here on pause like, no. <laughs> right. We, we over here and uh, throwing hands up. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Jerry, uh, I know you've been quiet for a while. How how do you feel about um, letting the people know what they can do to help you to help them? Ernestine, you still there? Hopefully I didn't lose them. Yeah, they still we, yeah, I was going to say, we can still hear you fine. Okay. Well, what I'll say is, um, until they're able to, to chime back in, um, the Andersons request that um, people begin to step out of their comfort zone. I know it's easy to mind your business. I know it's easy to not talk to your neighbors, to walk past the kids in the corner store to ignore your neighbors. Um, It's so easy to do that. Um, I would say that we all would like for more people to get involved. Um, Involved means not just reaching out to us, but reaching out to your politicians, reaching out to your, your local police departments, if you trust them, because I do understand with all the recent happenings in our community, the trust is lost amongst a lot of these organizations, but I will say that if you trust your neighbor or you trust your friend or you trust your family, start there and let it be a trickle effect. Um, Let it be that you all have conversations on how to heal, um, not only yourselves and your households, but your community. Um, We request that you all um, not just reach out to us, go out and vote. How about we start with registering the vote? How about we do go to our parent-teacher meetings, be an active member of the PTA committee, um, volunteer um, at our senior homes or our schools or our community centers? Young people, um, I would say the number one reason why the, I feel a, young, a lot of young people are um, acting out is because they don't trust us adults. Um, and so we need to gain the trust of our young people back again. 
And yes. honestly, the only way to do that is to put your hand out and reach for them and pull them in. Um, and so, yes. yeah, you, you may not want to work with anybody that's on this call right now, but maybe you want to work with somebody in your neighborhood, somebody that you know, because these young people are crying out for help. They are crying out for our help. And if we don't do something now, who is going to take care of us when we get older? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, our children are going to be, you know, they'll be in extinction. And, and then what's going to happen? Our communities are going to be gone and we'll slowly die off. And so I just challenge anyone that's listening to begin reaching out for your young people in your neighborhood. These kids, you can talk to them. You know, Jerry told you, he said, there's going to be some kids that, are going to fight you tooth and nail. But a lot of them are much like how Jerry's situation was, where they had to grow up sooner than they needed to, and they're, they're in their minds they're grown. And so you may can't reach that child, and that's okay. Let leave, leave that child to somebody else, but don't ignore the many other children that you come across. I see kids with their pants down. I still speak to them. You know, I still say hi. I smile. I give them eye contact, give them a firm handshake, you know, things like that. Show confidence. As adults, we need to be more confident. We can we can heal um, just by speaking to somebody, smiling at them, waving. You know, the littlest of things can really help people. You never know how somebody's day is going, you know, and you may be that person that can help heal them if you just try. The key is to try it and, and be consistent with it. And we have to we have to set a and we have to set a good example too because to be honest with you, a lot of us adults aren't right, and we we have to get right. We have to we have to set that example and and be the positive role models that they can look to. Um, you know, I think that's 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 just as important, um, if not more important, is because a lot of times, um, like I said, we're we're just not right in the way we're living our lives on a daily basis. So. Um, we have to again not only be the positive role model, but be the, the the ones to set the example as well. For sure, physical, spiritual, financial, mental—those four parts. So your show has a spiritual piece with your wife, has the financial piece with Warren, and then you have the mixture of the the mental because you you you're thought provoking. You have people thinking, um, using their mind to understand current issues and also have a mind to speak out on those things. And so that combination, y'all don't even know what with your radio show, y'all actually are healing people. So I pray that y'all continue to do this forever and ever, amen, so that y'all can continue to touch people in those different ways so that one piece that they may be missing, prayerfully they can go out and find that. Um, And that would be the physical, exercising, um, you know, drinking water, eating healthier, whatever, um, so that they can become to heal so they can get to that point, like you just said, where they can go out and help other people because you're right. If I'm a child and my mom is never home, she don't spend time with me, she never checks for me, um, and she neglects me, why do I respect any other adult who may reach out to me and say, hi, how am I doing? I'm going to think you want something from me. See, that survival kicks in very quickly, and it doesn't have to be that way. 
Yes, ma'am, definitely. Um, well, I'm sorry, I'm at a cross of, of, of should I cheer for you, shout a hallelujah and amen um, for all of them. Yeah, because we're all you're, here. You're hitting on points. <laughs> you're hitting points I talk to people about all the time. And, you know, one of our models on here is each one reach one. You know, it is literally our responsibility to, to make sure that the that the person next to us is okay, family or not. Mm-hmm. It is all of our responsibilities to make sure that we are okay. The greatest commandment was love one another. You know, and mm-hmm. people understand how it, that 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 goes so far. Even like you were saying with the speaking to the kids, that's a mental health issue also because you speaking to those people could be. You could be the person that stopped that person from breaking. You know, so that's a, it's all intertwined and it's all a huge thing to where we need to heal our neighborhood. And sometimes that healing even starts in, in the home. You know, parents, if you're listening tonight, I encourage you to speak with your children. And, you know, talk to them, ask them how their day is. We we live in, you know, it, I, I would say my generation, but, you know, the society where we, we worked hard, my mom and dad worked hard, so I didn't have to work as hard, and, and I ended up working as hard as they worked, so my kids didn't have to work as hard. But now it's time for us to, to slow down and look at them. You know, seeing 10-year-olds commit suicide, um, this all this bullying and and things that are going on. We we need to to stop and look and look at our children. Look at um, e- even taking the evaluation of our own mental health because you mm-hmm. know we we work ourselves to the point to where we can't breathe and um, we're so stressed out, hair falling out, and um, you know we we've been deemed the pill popping <laughs> um, pill popping. Yeah. So, because there, there's a pill for everything, and um, but if you're listening to the show tonight, um, take take a moment and do a self evaluation of yourself first. Um, like she said, Jerry put his mask on first. Um, tonight, put take a moment. Do you have a mask? Is, is where's your mask at? Have you seen it? Do you even know how to put your mask on? Evaluate yourself tonight. And then evaluate your children, evaluate your home, evaluate your loved ones. Start from within. Learn to love your, yourself first. And while you're learning to love yourself, you know, begin to spread the love to everybody else. Even if it's just a smile, um, get, get to a point to where you can smile. Because, you know, everybody is not there yet. But if you're at that point where you can smile to yourself and say, I love myself, then take a moment and smile to somebody else. Call a loved one up. All these grudges between our families, you know, and, and I'm not talking to this person, not talking to that person. It's it's too much going on. We need to, like 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 Anthony said, each one reach one. It's time. We got too much going on in politics, churches, um, you know, all this talk about impeachment, wars, rumors of wars, everything else. Uh-huh. We're fighting our own demons within ourselves, and we're fighting things in our own homes and our own families. We want to make change um, in the political area. Well, let's start with yourself. 
If you're not sleeping, mm-hmm. find a way to get some sleep. You know, it's it's a stigma in in our community to talk to a therapist. Find a therapist. <laughs> Go find you a therapist and talk to a therapist, counselor, spiritual leader, uh, psychologist. Find someone that that's going to listen. Don't be don't be where you where you are going through so much and you can't say I need help. Reach out to one of the people on We the People. We're we're accessible. <laughs> we're not so super spiritual holy now. We're, we're accessible. And you know if you need, reach out, say we need help. We'll guide you in the direct, right direction. If we can't do it, we'll guide you in the right direction. But I feel so much hope and so much peace to this show. Um, this evening, and um, and I'm not sure if Mr. and Mrs. Anderson was able to join us back or not, but I, I'm so thankful for the play that's going forth and what Miss Lewis also had to say concerning everything. I'm thankful that they're willing to share their their story so that others won't have to go through what they went through, and if they're going through it, so they know that there's a way out, there's a way of escape, and that you know. And she said something so keen when she stopped. When, when they stop wrestling against their promise and their purpose, whether you're spiritual or not, you're still purpose. So once you stop wrestling, you can stop and take a moment and say, I don't have my mask on, and take a moment to put your mask on, and then reach out and help others. It starts within you. Selfie value yourself. Mm-hmm. starts within you. That's the why Amen to that. <laughs> and I got to go to sleep tonight. Amen, Pastor Ramona. <laughs> and I got to go to sleep tonight. Look, I, okay, you're right now. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that um, we're coming close to the end um, of our show this evening. Um, we definitely want to make sure that we get the word out about the play that is next weekend. Um, would you mind this repeating the details? This coming weekend, because, you know, my days yes. run together. So this upcoming <laughs> weekend. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Yes. Thank you. It's October 18th and October 19th at the Douglas Theater here in Macon, Georgia, on MLK Boulevard. Tickets can be purchased at the door um, on the days of. Um, and more importantly, it starts at 6.30 p.m. The doors will open at 6 p.m. to let you all in and get comfortable. Um, and definitely look for it in a city near you because we will be taking it on the road. And I'll just be as bold to say this. If you're not able to make it and you're not in the city of Macon, um, you can sow a seed for someone else. See the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in sewing and I believe in, in pushing things forward. You know, um, if it's not in your city yet, it's coming to your city. But if you want to sow a mm-hmm. seed for the making for the making city, so that way it can get to your city, um, yes. definitely. All, everything that we said tonight. Um, I know Anthony will have it on We the People's page as well um, on how to get tickets, obtain tickets. I can't wait. Matter of fact, um, since I'm hearing all this loveliness that that happened, I can't wait to get my ticket and um, get Yay. our sitter for for next uh, this upcoming weekend. I'm gonna keep on saying next week, this upcoming <laughs> weekend, and I, I can't wait to to meet all these wonderful faces that I've had just the joy of experiencing. Um, I would even even say breaking bread, break, breaking bread, even though it's not physical, 
but um, yeah. the, the spiritual breaking breaking bread this evening. So I can't wait. That's right. Thank you, and we appreciate you all for giving us the opportunity to be on the show this evening. And what's interesting of what you said is that we had a lot of people who were not coming to the show just purchase a ticket and we gifted it to a teenager. So, um, yes, you all can do that. Um, Purchase your ticket, leave it at will call, and let us know that you did it so that we can make sure we get it to a teenager so that they can get to the show or a young person in general. So, yes, you were right on target. We actually, that's how we marketed the play is if you can't come, you can still donate your ticket to someone. Thank you all for that extra plug that we forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, well, um, closing thoughts or words, um, anybody, everybody, because I know I've been talking a whole lot. <laughs> you know, I'll keep talking. No, my closing. I'll be the preacher in me. My closing is to the little kids. If you got a, anybody, any kids, if you got a dream, stick with your dream. going to be a lot of people trying to take you another way, want to pull you in and take you the wrong way. That would happen to me. You've got to follow your dream. You're going to run into a lot of hard times, but you've got to steer the course. Don't get off the course no matter what. Stay with your dream because it's going to come true in the long run. That's my, that's my thought and what I'll say to a kid that's listening. Good words. I, I keep wanting to say amen. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to keep it together. <laughs> I love that. I'm sorry. I got a little applause happy. I've been holding it in all the time. I love so. it. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> Me too. But, but you know, like I said, this this is huge. There, there's a movement waiting to happen, and it's just waiting for the right people to push the pieces so that everything can move. And it's good to see folks actually going from the talking about it to doing it, you know, and and, and being that person that moves those pieces. Because, like I said earlier, if we don't have some accountability and take charge and take our stuff back, then we're more responsible for the downfall than the people that are actually doing it. Because, like Martin Luther King said, the worst folks are the ones that just sit there and watch and be complacent about it. You know, so if you've got the ability to do, do. Like like they said, if you can't make it, bless somebody with a ticket. Invest in invest into something positive. If you can invest into a movie, you can invest into all these different concerts and everything else. Investing in something positive is going to change your community. Even if the change happens after you're gone, you planted that seed in order to make sure that 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 community thrives and that your children and your children's children can be successful instead of falling into the same rut that we have fallen into for so long. So that that's right. sorry, I'm gonna climb off my horse real quick. No, guess what? I I like the the everything you all said and just know that Jerry has y'all back. The same way when Jerry was out in the street and he was helping people, that has not changed. So if y'all knew him then, y'all will really love him now. So if y'all again see him Speak to all of us. I'm a part of management. Look us up on Facebook, J.A. Enterprise, Jerry Anderson, the public figure. 
find us and talk to us so that we can help you guys in any way that we can. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you all, and thank you all for trusting us to to help you get your story out there. Um, That means a lot to us because, you know, we're we're just a little homegrown operation, and you didn't have to, and we appreciate it, and we'll get out there and, and, and and press as much as we possibly can and get it circulating, you know, so, you know, whether they're able to go here or once you go into expansion, you know, get our folks out there on the road so that we can make this into a, make this into a thing and get the word out to these kids because they need to hear that there is another way. One last thing, uh, Ms. Lewis, you said that uh, if, if we can't make it, we can purchase the tickets um, and donate them. Um, Anthony, you you'll be able to link that up somehow on on the We the People uh, on the We the People site. Is there a link for it? Like, can they go online and purchase? Douglas Theater. Yes, the I'll send you all the. No, I can send you all the links for Douglas Theater because um, they can purchase online. They don't have to physically go to the Douglas to purchase tickets. I'll send that link to you all. Um, and what normally happens if you hadn't tried it before, but you purchase a ticket and it asks if you want to pick it up or if you want it mailed, um, and you would just say roll call and just let us know that you did that so that we know that you all had done it so we can gift it to a teenager before the day of the show. Because if it's on the day of the show, it's going to be really hard logistically for us to get it to somebody. So it's best if y'all can do it probably before Thursday so that we can get it out to people. Cause Friday and Saturday, we're going to be busy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Th- thanks for that. I, and I got uh, I'm in Tampa, so I'm, I'm waiting for uh, the play to make it through uh, to, to Tampa. But in the meantime, I got two tickets uh, waiting for somebody that, that uh, I'll, I'll pledge to. So, just get that information, uh, Anthony, and link that up. And I got two tickets for um, that I'd like to uh, that I'd like to donate. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we'll get that get wait. that out there. We'll send it out, and then you know. Everybody, don't forget to share. When when you see the links, share it so that other people can see it. You, you never know who it might reach and who might be able to donate a ticket. So share away. All right. And I'm excited for the lives that will be changed. So, um, you know, even if you can't, if you're listening, if you can't make the show, if you can't see the show, hit that share button on Facebook, like the page. Um it, it, it's free to share. <laughs> Just click the button. Do it now. And um, we'll get the information up um, on our pages. As a matter of fact, I'll make sure that I share this to the post every day on my own personal page. I'm excited. Um, I, I, I know I keep saying it, but it's just refreshing. It's so refreshing. It's life-changing. And um, it's paving the way for greatness. So um, I'm thankful for the seeds that are being sowed um, into this, and I'm thankful that you all were able to come on tonight um, and share this experience with us. I'm Amen. So excited. I'm, I'm so I'm too excited now. <laughs> I'm too excited. <laughs> we thank you all too, and please do reach out to us if 
y'all have any other questions, if y'all want us to attend y'all events, if y'all want to partner, reach out to us. Um, we really appreciated this interview this evening. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Ms. Anderson, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank all of y'all. I appreciate you. What a pleasure. You got it. Well, once again, we we thank each and every one of you all for um, coming on to the show this evening. Um, Mr. Williams is having some um, te- technical difficulties, but thank you all again. Um, we will be here, I believe, next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And what else do I need to say to close your show out tonight? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is, this is, his phone just gave up the ghost. <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody. Yeah, thank, thanks once again for those that are listening. Um, thank you for those that are listening, those that are listening on the Internet who called in and who will catch us on podcast. Don't forget to check out this play, like they said, and if you can't check it out, um, then at least donate to help out and – Stay tuned because next week we have another show coming to you about uh, health and wellness. And I believe it is a friend of the family as well for uh, Miss Lewis. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, there's something about Noni steaming and stuff I saw on her site. I'm not even sure what all that stuff is, but. As a guy, I'm confused. As a husband, you'll be happy. <laughs> so next week, eight o'clock. We appreciate you guys. Thank you again. Have a good night. Thank you. Good, good night. night. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Good night, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye.